Hey everybody, just a note before we get started on today's podcast, you'll hear the music in a second in my uh, trademark intro momentarily, but the Hawks announced something on Sunday after Sunday evening, I should say, after I was re- done recording the podcast and already had it formatted, etc. So I wanted to go ahead and tack this on the beginning. The Hawks announced in partnership with, with the NBA, the Player Association, and Nike, and the estate of civil rights icon Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that the Hawks will basically be re- releasing a MLK-inspired City Edition uniform for next season. I'm sure if you're a Hawks fan, you probably already saw the images of this. They were all over Twitter. If you want the full details on this, go to peachtreehoops.com, where I wrote about that a little bit from the release that the Hawks put out, as well as some images in there. Um, these are awesome uniforms, both uh, aesthetically and also the meaning behind them. The Hawks are going to be donating the profits back um, from the jersey sales to the Atlanta community to help to further initiatives that were championed by Dr. King and his family. So a pretty pretty cool initiative here. I I know the Hawks also got some uh, national pub out of this in advance of the finals game on Sunday. So check out all the details, but I want to go ahead and acknowledge that I definitely recorded this podcast before then, but I definitely didn't want to let this slide by without mentioning it. So these are pretty cool. I look forward to uh, seeing the reaction from Hawks fans in the coming days about these but these go, sort of go in, in conjunction with the three um, new uniforms that, were, that the Hawks announced back in July. So a whole slate of new uniforms, and this is sort of an innovative thing, sort of the first time, I guess, that the Hawks uh, announced this as the first time that any initial of an individual will be featured prominently on the chest of the official game uniform. Also, these are uh, the signature of Dr. King is going to be on the jersey uh, as well. So again, more details if you want to read them at bstrips.com as well as what the Hawks announced. But there you go on that, and without further delay, here is the rest of the podcast. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 834 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Sunday into Monday. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. Before we dive into today's show, I want to plug last week's podcast. We had five shows last week. Yes, five shows during the offseason. We're coming to you as often as possible. And of course, it was headlined by visits from Annie Finberg of the Hawks and the Ringer, as well as Robbie Catlin of Dime. Good friends of the program on both accounts there. And hopefully, if you have not listened to those podcasts or downloaded them or subscribed to the podcast, check it out. And I really, really appreciate it. Okay, we'll dive into the show now. After the break later on, we'll get into some mailbag stuff. But first off... There was a report on Thursday evening after I recorded the last podcast that we aired um, into Friday, and it came from Mike Singer of the Denver Post, centered on Jeremy Grant, who's going to be potentially, anyway, a free agent from the Denver Nuggets. Singer previously reported earlier in the offseason, or I guess during the season for the the Nuggets, early in the Hawks offseason, that Grant is expected to opt out of a $9.3 million player option. That is not a huge surprise, frankly. He was very good in the playoffs for Denver, and even before that, he was on my list of guys to monitor with regard to free agency, and I thought he was probably leaning in that direction, uh, considering how he played during the regular season as well, but Grant's a guy to circle, to be sure. Um, now, though, the new stuff from Thursday was that Singer reported that, quote, at least three other teams are expected to have interest in luring Grant from the Nuggets, end quote, and those three teams are the Phoenix Suns, Detroit Pistons, and, of course, the Atlanta Hawks. So, uh, Singer wrote about the Hawks' fit, and I'm quoting here now, Grant would offer a versatile wing who could play the three, four, or sometimes the five, end quote. 
that's his description. We'll get into Grant the player momentarily, but that was sort of the thinking, I guess, behind all of this and what he was told. Um, just for some background information here, Grant is, of course, a pretty good player. That's the most important thing here. Also, potentially a free agent, of course. But uh, Lloyd Pierce coached Jeremy Grant back in Philly when Lloyd was on that staff. It's been a long time since then, but that's worth filing away. Lloyd is not the principal decision maker, to be sure, but I'm sure he has a relationship of some sort with Jeremy Grant. Um, Grant turns 27 in March, a 6'8", 6'9", sort of combo forward of sorts. More of a four, in my opinion, but certainly someone who has played some three, including during the playoffs. That's worth pointing out. Um, he had a huge run late in the Lakers series in the Western Conference Finals. He averaged 21 a game in the last three. That's not really the reason why you're pursuing him, but he definitely showed some flashes offensively. That probably got him a little bit more money, potentially, even in that small sample size. Grant is a six-year veteran. Um, the biggest development in his game the last couple of years is the fact that he's now shooting threes um, with some accuracy. The last two years, he shot 39% on threes. It's modest volume, but not non-existent. I think it's like you know between three and a half and four attempts per game. Not huge, but certainly someone who has to be guarded out there now, which is certainly a development in his game. A quality defensive player, to be sure. Not an elite guy, but I think he's certainly good and versatile. He can guard big wings as well as fours. Not someone you have to worry about defensively whatsoever. And uh, has played some five at times in the past. I think in Atlanta he wouldn't play a lot of five, if, if at all, because they have John Collins to do the small ball stuff at the five. But I think you certainly unlock a lot of lineups when you can play Jeremy Grant at multiple positions. Um, it's worth pointing this out now. He's going to get real money from Denver almost certainly. That is a sticking point in all of this because even if I would argue that the Hawks make the most sense of the teams that actually have huge cap space this offseason, the Nuggets have his bird rights, and just as a refresher there, they can pay him whatever they want, basically, as a result of that. And clearly they want to bring the band back together after their run to the Western Conference Finals. And I think Grant, because of his age, makes a ton more sense for the Den for Denver to go ahead and pay um, then someone like Paul Millsap, for instance, or Mason Plumley, guys who were uh, sort of interesting parts of that team. But Paul, who we love on this podcast, and we'll discuss more probably later on in the offseason, um, is an older guy. I think having Grant to pair with Michael Porter Jr. makes a lot of sense for Denver. Um, I do actually have, um, I'm planning to talk to someone as sort of a Nuggets expert about all of this stuff between Millsap and Grant, etc. in the near future. But this is sort of came out before I can get to that, so I wanted to point that out now. Again, like, you know, Money is going to be a sticking point, as it always is in free agency. I'm someone who always points that out. Like You have to try to get value, not try to overpay too much. But in this situation, Denver does have a lot of incentive to try to pay him because they are very good right now, as we saw during their run in the playoffs. So, um, the other thing is fit in Atlanta. I got a lot of questions about this in the, in the wake of that reporting. I tweeted about it a little bit. But without, without going into, into painstaking detail this early in the process with regard to a free agent fit that may not even be hap happening at, at some point, Grant can play the three. He can be a backup Collins at the four. He can also play with Collins or Capella at the four. Um, he's a starting caliber player, to be sure. I've heard some people say that it's not really a need. Um, I understand why that would be said, because the Hawks do have Collins and Hunter, etc. But basically, as I've said before on this podcast, but if you're a new listener, forgive me, um, the Hawks essentially could add a player at any position that's not a pure point guard starter. I mean, even they need a backup, but, you know, they could add a two, they could add a three, they could add a four. They don't really need a center, to be sure. Um, but if they draft a center, that wouldn't stun me overall. So I know they don't have a quote-unquote need at the position that Grant plays because he is more of a four. I think he's probably like a 3.75 on the uh, positional scale. But 
they certainly could add Jeremy Grant to this lineup. It would make them better um, flat out in a lot of different ways. It would open up versatility. I'm a big fan of lineup versatility. The Hawks already have a little bit of that with guys like Reddish and Hunter and Collins who can play multiple positions. You know, Collins at the four and the five, Hunter at the three and the four, Reddish at the two and the three. They can do a lot of different things with their lineups already, and Grant's someone who could even do more than that because he's a good defender. He's long. He can play the three against big guys. He can also play the four. Not really the five, but again, uh, you have Collins to do that. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. The other question was like, who's going to start if they sign Jeremy Grant? And I don't really care about that at this point in time, or really at all. Um, could they start Grant at the three? Sure they could. We saw Denver do that a little bit, um, and that worked out in their favor. I don't think he's a full-time three necessarily, but he doesn't have to be, again. So, yeah, if you pay Jeremy Grant big money, are you going to want to start him? Probably, but it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, and uh, he's not blocking the guys you already have. He's young enough where you can grow with your grow with your core, etc. So all of the fit concerns, I guess I sort of get it because the Hawks do have those those um, you know, huge investments in young players and John Collins as well at the four, but you know, I wouldn't worry about that whatsoever. I think Grant just makes you better in a lot of different ways. So he's one of the better free agents available. He would give the Hawks versatility and defense. Um, the price, again, is the biggest thing. Denver could be motivated to keep him. I think they probably are motivated to keep him. In order to get him away from Denver, you probably have to overpay. I'm not aware I'm not aware of anything that would tell you that Jeremy Grant wants to leave Denver. I'm sure they would like to drive the price up a little bit to not give Denver a huge discount after the way he played during the playoffs. But if all things are equal, I would imagine he'd rather probably stay in Denver, considering how the success that he's had there, the fact that they're already like really good, and uh, that usually matters to players. So keep that in mind as well. I said this already with Davis Bertans and others. There was a, obviously a similar report about Bertans. The Hawks are going to be tied to almost everyone that is a free agent that is good. <laughs> that are non-point guards, so maybe non-centers. So just prepare for that. Again, it's still very, very early in the process. I wouldn't lose my mind about all of this stuff, but it's worth noting for sure. And it was something I was going to bring up even before I was asked a flood of questions about it. There were certainly a lot of questions in the last few days about Jeremy Grant. And I was anticipating that even before the reporting came out, he was on my list of guys to discuss in the next few weeks. So again, I'm hoping to have a Nuggets expert on to talk about Grant Millsap and other options for the Hawks potentially. But there you go. Jeremy Grant has now officially been rumor tied to the Hawks by a credible reporter from, uh, from the Denver Post. So there it is. It's out there, and we'll, I'm sure, talk about him more as the process continues. Okay, before we get into the rest of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of those is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I told you so many times in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like lemon almond cheesecake, a personal favorite of mine, cookies and cream, and even caramel brownie. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. And it's also important to note that Built Bars are fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off on your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at Roman. And talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually men just brush it off or blame themselves, saying like, things like, like, I lost my mojo, and avoiding it altogether by blaming work or a long day. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with real health, healthcare professionals who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you'll get a free online evaluation and ongoing care, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. And if medication ends up being appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and simple. Getting started is also very simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit with Roman. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If you 
are approved. You'll get $15 off on your first order of treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, and uh, on the news front, on Friday, the Hawks officially confirmed and announced the hire of Landry Fields as assistant, G- as assistant general manager for the team. As you probably remember, if you're a listener to this podcast, we talked about this about 10 days ago when it was first reported, but nothing was official at that point in time. The Hawks did announce that Fields will have a, quote, specific focus on bolstering player relations, scouting, and strategic planning, end quote. And uh, Travis Schlenk talks about how he is bringing a unique combination of playing experience, a sharp eye for player development, and strong skills as a communicator to the Hawks organization. So there you go on that. It's now official. Landry Fields is in the organization, of course, a former former NBA player, and he takes on the job, at least in title, of that has been open for quite some time since Jeff Peterson left to go to the Nets. So if you listen to the previous show, you'll probably have more on that. I wrote about it at PeacherGroups.com as well. So there you go. Landry Fields is now officially part of the Hawks organization as of Friday, October 2nd. Okay, I want to get I want to get to one mailbag question, and it was actually one that everybody, not everybody, a lot of people asked me about over the weekend, and I, I, picked, I picked one from Eli. The question comes from Eli again. Uh, not sure if you saw it, but Sam Vecini now has RJ Hampton as a top ten guy in the draft. Would he be in consideration for you with the Hawks pick at number six? So again, um, anytime Sam does anything, I get probably asked about it, which is a good thing. Sam is a friend of the program, a friend of mine, and also a prominent draft analyst who I who I trust very much. So set stage a little bit here. Uh, Sam now has RJ Hampton at number seven on his big board, and ahead of some guys that certainly raised my eyebrows. Because uh, spoiler alert, I'm not quite as high on Hampton. Um, again, again, broadly speaking, this is higher than I have him. I think listeners probably know that from how I've talked about him in the past. At the same time, it's interesting to go through what was written about him, what's been said about him recently, and in reading about Sam's piece about Hampton. I recommend, by the way, reading Sam at all, at all times. He's very smart. Um, but the biggest change seems to be that he's buying the jump shot after some mechanical tweaks for Hampton. Um, for some background, Hampton did not shoot the ball well at all in the NBL. He was a big-time high school prospect, went to Australia, but actually played for the New Zealand team. Um, but his sample size was not very big, but he shot about 40%, 40% from the floor, 30% from three, and sub-70% at the free-throw line, which is pretty rough for a combo guard size player. Um, he is now working with Mike Miller, though, a former NBA sharpshooter and, and also a very, very uh, highly respected player development guy. Um, and Sam chronicled some of the changes in his piece. I won't go through all of them now, but I'll just say this. Pre-stuff, pre-draft stuff in general, I'm usually a little bit more skeptical on, frankly, on tweaks and workout stuff and videos and all that stuff until we see it on the court. That's my overarching thing about basically anyone, even guys that I like, um, before that more that information comes. The earlier example that I cited early on the podcast in this offseason cycle is Denny Abdia, who people were all all in on the on the, on the jump shot tweaks there. It certainly looked better, but I always wanted to fall a little bit to what I've seen with my eyes in games, and he did show it a little bit more in games, but um, I trust the sample size a little bit more um, than the most recent stuff. It very well may be real with Hampton. I will say that right now. This absolutely could be huge for him and sort of overall, sort of overarchingly um, changing his jump shot, his mechanics, and tweaking that in a positive direction. But my guard's always up, basically. And buzz like this is almost um, inevitable in this endless cycle of this draft, especially. You know, these guys have not played basketball for quite some time. The draft was supposed to happen three-plus months ago. We're just looking for stuff to talk about. And obviously, this is a big thing. But Hampton is uh, someone I'm still going to probably side a little bit more with the history and the on-court stuff than I am with the videos and the quotes and all that stuff. I will say, though, on the more favorable side for Hampton and others, it might be more believable in this cycle the players could actually have that kind of big jump and actually, you know, sort of overhaul their game in some ways because of just how much time they've had to do so. 
they're almost getting like a double off season here, which is good and bad in a lot of ways. The good is that they can have even more time to work on their games. The bad is that there's not really that same structure. But in this case, Hampton's in good hands with regard to trainers and guys who know what the process is like. So I'm more inclined to believe it this time around than I would be normally. At the same time, though, it's still... Um, workouts and quotes from guys who are invested in having him be good. So yeah, just keep just keep keep that all in mind. Um, as far as the player is concerned, I've talked about Hampton in the past, including on the uh, sort of player position deep dives I did with Zach Hood. By the way, those are great resources if you want to go back and listen to them on this feed. Uh, Zach and I talked about um, basically every position group in multiple parts, from bigs to combo forwards to combo guards to wings to point guards, and went through basically all of the top like 80 to 100 guys in this class. So if you missed all of those, we talked about Hampton and very very many others. So if you're a new listener to the podcast, those are definitely worth going back and listening to. They are in the archive from earlier in the offseason. But anyway, with that out of, out of the way, um, Hampton's a great athlete. He can attack the rim in a big way. He can finish really impressively. He has real upside as a scorer. That's definitely his number one attribute, in my opinion, moving forward, at least right now, is that his, his scoring ability is pretty interesting and that actually gives him a pretty high upside when you, when you combine it with his athleticism. Um, I think his create his creation off the bounce for himself in particular, getting past defenders on the perimeter is uh, certainly high on the list of things that are appealing about Hampton. Defensively, it's been kind of a mess, sort of tactically and off-ball stuff, but the tools are pretty good. He's athletic, again, and he's not too small. Um, he's not very strong right now. He has to get stronger for sure, but that's something that you could certainly bake on him probably doing at some point along the way, given how young he is and the talent and, and the body frame is pretty, is pretty soft from what I can see. So overall... I wouldn't change my evaluation on Hampton based on this from Sam or anybody else. Um, it's certainly interesting to me, and I think it's not a bad thing at all that the jumper seems to be moving in, a, in the right direction. I wouldn't fault a team at all for swinging on him in the top 10 or 12 of this class because I, I think he does have higher upside than some of the guys who I have in front of him, frankly, because if everything went perfectly well with Hampton, um, offensively, his ceiling is certainly higher than some of the guys that I would have in front of him. With that said, I'm a little bit skeptical of what I saw in the NBL, and also I didn't love what I saw pre-college as much as some of the people did, but still, having a lottery grade on him is perfectly reasonable. Sam has him at 7. That's too high for me, um, but we're allowed to disagree. That's, that's kind of the part of the fun here. I wouldn't have him that high. I think for Atlanta in particular at 6, he would not be in the mix for me. I think it's a, it's okay to consider him. If the Hawks were considering him, I would I would not blame them. I think I'd, you're taking a closer look at someone who has real talent, um, but I'm not as high as other people are. Um, I think he'd be behind guys like Killian Hayes and Denny Avdia and Isaac Okoro and Devin Vassell for me for Atlanta for sure. And that's four names um, in addition to you know Edwards, Ball, etc. So I can't imagine that Hampton would be the guy that I would recommend at six. If they took him at six, you know, there's this whole group of, of guys where this draft is pretty flat, and I wouldn't like kill the Hawks for it. I, I think if they thought he was the best prospect available, I would understand it. I wouldn't say that it would be my choice, but it's not so off the board that it's crazy. Like, if the Hawks took Sadiq Bey at 6, I like Sadiq Bey, I would criticize that. If they took Aaron Neesmith at 6, I would criticize that. I think Hampton, though, is as much of an upside swing as he possibly is, I would at least understand where that rationale is. Hopefully, hopefully that answers the question. He would not be my choice, but if they took him at 6, you know, I think you'd probably trade back a little bit, but, you know, sometimes it only takes one team, and it's not always as, as obvious as, uh, you know, tr- sliding back for a guy, but I do think that he would become a lot more interesting in some of the scenarios that I've posited in the past, and other, others have as well, like the Hawks going back to 8 with the Knicks, or the Hawks going back to 10 with the Suns. There's, there's scenarios where that might make a lot of sense, and he becomes more interesting at 10 or 12 or whatever, um, but at 6, I wouldn't do it. I hope that hopefully answers the question, but I am intrigued 
to be sure to see how he shoots moving forward because if you suddenly trusted his jump shot, Hampton would become a lot more interesting prospect and uh, would certainly be, uh, I would say, more likely to earn a top 10 billing in this class. Okay, that'll do it for today's podcast. I have a couple more things that I could get to, but we'll wrap it up there for now. Like I said, I have guests planned in the near future, diving back into the draft stuff for sure with some people in advance of the class. Now that we're in October, the NBA draft is at least kind of nearing again, which is nice. Now, please subscribe to the podcast. Again, we had five shows last week. I think four the week before. We have the content's been uh, coming, so hopefully everybody's appreciating all of that. I will also be tied up a little bit with some Brave stuff this week. I don't often do this, but my uh, my Braves podcast has been churning with regard to the playoffs over at Talking Chop. Uh, if you want to listen to that, go ahead and do that as well. Follow me on Twitter at BT Rowland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Hawks. We will see you later on in the week.